next door brother Three weekend rows of town By turning the whole place upside down Many awake will cause such a fuss It finally wakes the rest of us One man awakes with dawn in his eyes Surely then it multiplies Take what isn't ours So we try to take from other people what isn't ours when, it, when actually Jesus has freely given it. All right? So, so um, there's a guy called Brad Lomnack who, who does a lot of leadership stuff, but he, he said that uh, the two pain points of our generation are belonging and purpose. The two pain points of our generation are belonging and purpose. We, need a, we, we have a deep need for belonging, and we need to know that our life has meaning. And, and ultimately, we arrive at this idea of significance, we arrive at this idea of significance, and we all have a need for significance. And I think significance is like a, like a coin. It has two faces. And so we need to know who we are, belonging, and we need to know why we are here, purpose. And when, when we have both of those uh, centred in Jesus and centred in, in our identity, then we actually are able to live it out in a healthy way. So this idea of significance is actually inbuilt into every person. It's, it's the top on the hierarchy of human needs. I don't know if you've ever heard of the hierarchy of human needs, but significance is right up there at the top. It's why we desire to live with a sense of purpose, freedom, and belonging. But the issue is this. Here's where we run into trouble. If we aren't find out, finding our value and worth in the Father, then we will actually dehumanise others and dehumanise ourselves to get what we need, to get our needs met. Who knows that, that if we have needs, if inbuilt human needs, we are always going to try and get our needs met. And, and we use other people to try and get our, our needs met. Or we also abuse ourselves. You know, Shane Willard says that busyness is artificial significance. You know, who, who knows that busy is like the new good? Hey, how are you going? Oh, you're really busy. Oh, so busy, so busy. It's, it's artificial significance. We're trying to, we're trying to say that, that I get my significance from what I do. But we actually get our significance from who we reveal. So I want to suggest to you this morning that, that these things can only be found by the true source. right? When we know God as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. He is the source for our purpose, for our belonging, for our freedom and for our significance. And so I believe that belonging, freedom, and purpose are produced through knowing God as Father, Son, and Spirit. It actually takes a holistic relationship with God to actually produce uh, this, this kingdom significance in our lives. Jesus said in uh, uh, Matthew 28, he said this, All authority is in, he in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so baptism is like a naming ceremony. Next week we're going to have baptisms. And everyone that goes into the waters of baptism, it's like they are getting renamed. It's like a naming ceremony where where they they become new in Christ and have a new identity. And we baptise them into the, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are re-establishing them as a new creation in God. 
It, it's like a, I, I love this, this thought that it's a prophetic act that points back to the cross and says, there the lie died and the true me was revived. And so it's this very powerful moment where we, we take on a new identity. So when we think about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we, we need to understand that we, we relate to and receive something different from each person of the Trinity. So from the Father, we receive our identity, our security, and our provision. From Jesus, we receive relationship, communication, and peer acceptance. And from the Holy Spirit, we get nurture, teaching, guidance, and empowerment. And we are baptised into the name of each of the, 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 the persons of God. I, I like to think of it like a stool, a three-legged stool. Who knows that if you have a three-legged stool with only two stools, it doesn't, doesn't end well. <laughs> or, or even worse... Uh, a, th- a three-legged stool with one stool, you know, like it's a balancing act. But actually, when, when we talk about God, I, I mean, I, I've sat down with people before and said, hey, how's your relationship with God? And they've said, yeah, yeah, it's, no, it's good. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? Who are you talking about? Are, are, are you relating to God as Father? Do you know Him as Father? Do, do, are you getting your security and your identity from Him as Father? Or uh, do you know Jesus? Do you know the Holy Spirit? And so trying to unpack and help people understand that actually we relate to each person differently, each person of the Trinity differently. I find, I find my security in the Father, and sometimes I have to remind myself of, of that and go back to Him again and again and just remind myself that my identity is in Him. Uh, sometimes I'll come down to church here early in the morning on a Sunday and I put on a song called Abba, I Belong to You. Father, I belong to you. And I I literally just lie on the floor and I remind myself that I am a son before I'm a pastor. Because my identity is not in what I do. My identity is as a son. And I get up from the floor and then I take on my assignment, which is to be a pastor. Does that make sense? We're going to unpack this a lot more this year. All right, so the, uh, let's talk this morning about the Jesus invitation. What is the Jesus invitation? Uh, and so I want to ask you this question. You might uh, uh, know the story, you might not. But at the start of Jesus' ministry, he, he invited some people into something. Um, and we're going to have a look at that uh, in a minute. But uh, So I want, if you, maybe you know the story. If you know the story, I want you to think about this. Did Jesus call the disciples to a mission or to a family? Did Jesus call the disciples to a mission or to a family? And the answer is yes. He called them to both. But I would like to suggest that initially he called them to a mission and they became a family. In, Matthew, uh, sorry, in Luke 5.10, it says this, And he said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's the Jesus invitation. Friends, that's the invitation to all of you. The invitation is not accept me so you can go to heaven. That is not the Jesus invitation. The Jesus invitation is come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's the invitation. Have you accepted the invitation? 
See, one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats. One of them belonged to Simon and asked him to put a little out from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I love this. Listen to this. Verse 5. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. This is where most of us end. But because you say so, I will let down the nets again. Come on, this is the rowing the boat in our own strength. Come on, I've tried that. You know what I mean? But actually, the repentance bit is this. It's actually saying, but because you say, I will go that way. What is faith? It's loyal obedience to Him when it doesn't make sense. When Jesus says, come on, it's time to give. That doesn't make sense. Have you seen my bank account? But because you say so, I will go. Do you know what I mean? Like it's this, this, is, this is the disciples modelling something for us here. But because you say so. I, I think, come on, if you can take anything away from this morning, I hope that that statement is ringing in your ears. But because you say so. But because you say so. That is a, that is a step of faith. That is belief right there in action. But because you say so. This is what it means to believe in Jesus. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James, John, the sons of Zebedee, and Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. To come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. I, I will make you into people that will live for others. I will make you into people that will, that will look for and draw the gold out of others. I will make you into people that will look for and find and restore my lost children. Come on, this is the Jesus invitation. What is Jesus up to right now? He's restoring all things back to their original purpose and identity. And the invitation is, come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. You will engage in the mission of God to restore all things back to the original identity and purpose. And believe me, when you engage in that, you will find why you are here. This is the Jesus invitation. Come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. What I love about this verse is that, that he connects our natural ability to his kingdom purpose. He didn't say, come, I will make you lawyers to the fishermen. No, he said, come, I will make you fishers of men. He, he connects our natural ability, what we, our design, who we are to our purpose. When he, he's not going to ask you to do something that's outside of what he's gifted you to do. Your, your destiny is in your design. The Jesus invitation. So spiritual gifts. So let's, let's look at spiritual gifts this morning. Verse uh, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1 says this. Now concerning gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Right, so this morning, my hope, my prayer is that we would not go away this morning feeling uninformed. My, my prayer is that you will be informed. Just like Paul was hoping for the church in Corinth. Now what is a gift? When we talk about spiritual gifts, the, the word there is charisma. 
It's where we get the, the, the word charismatic, uh, which often uh, is talking about someone who is specially gifted. Uh, you know, we might say, oh, that person's just really charismatic, and that we're saying that they're a gifted sort of special person. Um, or, or you might think of charismatic as a certain type of church. Um, and what that literally means is a charismatic church is a church that believes in the gifts. That's us. Welcome. We're a church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> um, and so that, that would be charismatic. The, the opposite to that would be uh, 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 believers who don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And, and I didn't even realize till I was like 20-something that they even existed. But yes, they do. Uh, and they would be called cessationists. And which believe that the gifts have ceased. So basically they think that uh, when the last apostle or last disciple died, so did the gifts. That's not us. God is moving. Amen? God is still healing today. We still see miracles. In fact, I just saw someone praying for someone right down the back this morning for them to be healed and bring it on. Amen? <laughs> So what is a spiritual gift? It is a divine enablement, or another word we could use is a grace. A divine enablement, or grace. Uh, maybe rethink some idea when you're reading Scripture and you come across the word grace. It mostly means divine enablement. All right? Sometimes it means unmerited favour. But it mostly means divine enablement. Reread the Bible with that idea, and you'll see that God is up to something. He's divinely enabling his people to overcome, to be faithful. Amen? Yeah? To pray for the sick, cast out demons, do the works of Jesus. Amen? Be agents of the kingdom. So, what are the gifts for? Spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability. It's something that you couldn't do on your own, in your own ability. Get rid of the oars, lift up the sail that God gives to each of His children so no one is excluded, so that together we can advance His purposes in this world. This is a quote I got from Chris Hodges, and I thought it was a great description uh, of the gifts. So together we can advance His purposes in this world. So here's this idea that, that you don't actually attend church, you are the church. And we're, we're going to be looking at that this year. This is really the theme of this year, and I'll be unpacking that uh, on, on Vision Sunday. But the church is something that we are. We, we don't, it's not something we attend. It's not something we consume. It's something that we are. And, and our intention this year is to create more space to unpack this and also create more space for the gifts to be used, the gifts to be uh, released, empowered, and, and just so that we can, uh, so that they can edify the church, so we can be models of the kingdom and advance the kingdom wherever we go. One, 1 Corinthians twelve. Let's let's look at this passage. I'm going to pick it up in verse four. It says this. This is the unpacking of the gifts. Uh, it's also in, in Romans, there's uh, some more gifts described there. So, so what this is, is Paul uh, talking to the church in Corinth and saying, uh, here, here are the gifts of the Spirit. Um, I would like to suggest that this is not exhaustive. This is a description of the gifts. Uh, it's my personal conviction that there, this is not just a prescriptive list, that, that there are, are more gifts. Um, but uh, the, the point that Paul is actually trying to get across here is that it's the same Spirit. 
the Corinthian church were polytheists. Uh, they believed in different gods, or, or the, the area in Corinth was polytheist. And he was trying to get everyone around to the idea, this is the same God. Each gift is in a different God. But anyway, let's, let's unpack this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. You can see he's trying to make a point here. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines." Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptised by one Spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And so he continues to labour the point that we are a body, that each of us have a certain role to play, that each of us are gifted in different ways to play a role within the body of Christ to both edify and advance the kingdom. So to edify the body of Christ, so we model the kingdom of God. When, when someone walks into your small group, walks into any gathering where you are with believers, they should see the kingdom modelled. They should see the one another's being lived out as we live out the fruits of the Spirit being empowered in our life, not because we are good at them, but because He is good at them and His nature has now become ours. And then, and then the, the gifts of the Spirit are to be, so that we can be agents of the kingdom to advance the kingdom wherever we go. And, and so I would like to suggest that most of the gifts of the Spirit are actually to be used outside of the church. That they are not for us all to come in and sure they, they, they should be used and can be used, but we should not just make them in the church. It should be wherever we go. The gospel is an as-you-go gospel. As you go, wherever you are, the gifts of the Spirit can flow through you. And then at the end of that passage, Paul finishes with this. He says at the end, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Does anyone know what the most excellent way is? Love, the way of love. He finishes this passage with 1 Corinthians 13, which we read at every wedding, but it's actually about the gifts of the Spirit. And he, he's, he's saying this, look, you can use all of these gifts, but if you do it without love, you have missed the point. Love has to be the primary motive and objective of the gifts of the Spirit. And that's why I believe that the spiritual gifts are the love language of God. They are the love language of God. See, when I... Uh, have a word of knowledge for someone and, uh, and uh, I'm able to give a word of knowledge to a person that's specific about them who knows that it totally communicates to that person God is thinking about me God knows me and he cares about me so now what am I doing I'm communicating the love of God I'm speaking his language and this is what the gifts of the Spirit are for. Love is our most powerful weapon. It confronts every system of the world. And later this year, we're going to do a series um, called Disrupt the System. Disrupt the System. And it's this idea that, that actually the love of God 
disrupts every system of the world. And, and Jesus gave us multiple exa- examples uh, where he, he actually called his disciples to disrupt the system and he also disrupted the system. Not with force, not with violence, not with coercion, but with love. See, love turns our world on its head. It's self-sacrificing enemy love confronts the systems of consumerism, materialism, and individualism and turns them on their head. So if we want to speak the language of God, we must live in the fruits of the Spirit and live out the gifts of the Spirit. So in John 21, there's, uh, there's almost this replay. So let's jump back to the, the first time that Jesus called his disciples. Now, towards the end of Jesus' ministry, there's almost like this replay of the same thing happening. All right. So, so John 21, um, he, the same thing is happening. So that Jesus has, has died. He, he's been resurrected. And the disciples have gone back fishing. Some of them have gone back fishing. Um, and, and, and Jesus is on the beach. And they sort of see him for the first time, or they, or they see him out there. Anyway, so Jesus yells out to them. He says, children, do you have any fish? So they're out fishing. No, they answered. He told them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it there, and they were unable to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Right, so, so, this, so this scenario gets replayed. Now, what I love about this, I said the other week that I had a webinar with a Messianic rabbi. He unpacked this, and I want to share that with you this morning. Uh, here's what he said. He said, in the Hebrew language and culture, the left, or the left side, or, or the, the left, has to do with, let, let me just, uh, has to do with fire, judgment, and severity. But the right side has to do with love. Jesus has his disciples, and they're out fishing, fishing all night, on the right side. Whereas Jesus is undoing some things here. He says, cast your net on the, sorry, on the left side. Cast your net on the right side. The side of love. What do they get? A harvest. When they get a haul so big that they can't contain it. See, we don't understand that stuff. We just read the Bible and go, oh yeah, we'll just put it on the other side. You know, that, well, oh. But actually, for, for Hebrew people, uh, what they understand about their culture and language, Jesus is communicating something to them. He's communicating that when we fish from a place of love, our nets will always be full. Come on, we're, we're called to be people who carry the love and hope of Jesus. We're called to be people that carry the greatest weapon wherever we go, love. Well, I think that's so cool, don't you? I don't know. Like, oh, when I heard, I was like, wow, that's just like, wow. And we miss so much because we just have the English Bible way, you know, like, wow. Last week, I mentioned about the, the pillar of fire that led the Israelites through the desert and then split at, at Pentecost into individual flames above the, the disciples in the upper room. And so when we look at the Old Testament, it, it was just special people that heard from God. Uh, often, uh, generally, these people were, were called priests who would hear from God, they would get the message from God and then communicate it to the people. Uh, they, they were mediators between God and man. But in the New Covenant, we see on Pentecost that the Holy Spirit, uh, he, the, the pillar of fire breaks into smaller uh, fire and rests upon every individual. And so we, so we know that that, that means that, that we are the, the, what we would call the priesthood of all believers, that, that you are a priest, 
you are now a priest. The same Holy Spirit that was in Moses and you know, the, the great people of the Old Testament and is now in every believer. The same Holy Spirit. This is what was being demonstrated at Pentecost, that, that we are the priesthood of all believers. That means that, that we have the same access. There is no special person. Hey, have you ever thought about that? Like, you know, have you ever thought, like, you know, we kind of say, oh, you're special to God. But if we're all special, then is anyone special? I don't know. You know, <laughs> yes, you're all special. But, but we are all special. There is no special, special person. We are all special. We are all carriers of the same Holy Spirit as it was in, uh, that was in Jesus, that was in Peter, that was in Paul. It's the same Holy Spirit that is in you. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you. Come on, the same Holy Spirit. And so, so the same Holy Spirit lives in me as, as in you. I am not special. I am just one of the team. I'm just fulfilling my role. Just one of the team. I mentioned the other week that, that I've written a call statement. Um, and uh, um, I want to share it with you this morning, just so I give you a bit of understanding. This is stuff that we cover in our, in our leadership module this year, which is some new stuff I'm adding in this year. So if you want to come to Awaken You, the leadership model, you'll get this unpacked. But, um, and so, so I, I believe that our identity is made up of three things, who we are, whose we are, and, and why we are here. And, and so I want to think of, it, think of it like this, that our identity is who we are. Our core statement is why we're here. And our assignment is what you do. Unfortunately, we often have that round the other way. We find our identity in our assignment, what we do. Our identity is who we are and whose we are. Our call statement is why we are here. Our assignment is what you do. So I, I wrote down my call statement um, end of last year. I wrote down my call statement. And it was this, to equip the body of Christ to live a significant kingdom lifestyle. That's what I feel the call on my life is. My current assignment is the leader of this great church called Awaken City Church. And, you know, uh, next week we could have an elders meeting and the elders might decide that that assignment's over. <laughs> like, just joking, but am I, am I joking? I don't know. <laughs> But, but what, what that means is that my assignment changes. My calling doesn't. doesn't matter what assignment I am doing, my calling stays the same. My call might change at some point in my life, but my assignment will change at some point. But my calling won't, and my identity will never change. My identity is firmly found in the Father. He is where my identity is. I live out my call wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, whatever assignment I am on, I am, I, am, I am determined that I will equip the body of Christ to live a significant kingdom lifestyle. And so we, we need to detach our assignment from our identity. Well, I, I know that right now there are probably people going through transition where your assignment is changing right now and there's turmoil in you around some identity stuff and I want to encourage you to find your identity in the Father. Let your assignment change and don't let it undo you. Change your assignment, it's fine. 
get your call statement sorted. As soon as I put my call statement down, I realised I could do that no matter what I was doing. If I'm the pastor of a church or if I'm serving on the, the sound desk, I, I could, you know, I, I could quite happily equip people to live a significant kingdom lifestyle. It doesn't matter what assignment I'm on. See, our significance is found in who we reveal, not what we do. Right, so when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, we need to first discover them. And, and we help you do that. If you don't know what, the, what your gifts are, we do that uh, at our Belong lunch, or it's sort of packed into that whole, whole thing. We have a booklet, and we help you go through that. Um, and so we help you to discover what your gifts are, and we unpack that a little bit more um, for you. Um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll sort of jump along here, and then I can bring it to a close. Develop. We need to start practising. We need to actually be in an environment where it's safe to practice, to have a go. And, and that's what Awaken You is. We have a whole lot of opportunities to give it a go and just to try things out and just to, you know, we, we create space for people to practice having words of knowledge so that we grow in that. Practice having prophetic words. Practice praying for the sick. Um, because these are, these are things that we actually need to develop in us. They're, uh, they're like muscles. They need to be developed. And so at Awaken You, we have impartation and activation, and we, we help you develop your gifts. And the next one is we need to use them. We need to use them. So you and I have all been given a special supernatural ability to do what we could not previously do. If it's possible for you to do it, you wouldn't need God. I, I, I you know, um, there's sort of the saying that we have in Christian, it's kind of a half-truth half that says that God will never give you more than you can handle. Anyone, anyone heard that? It's not really in the Bible. There's one verse that kind of talks about it. It's more talking about persecution. Um, If your assignment is not more than you can handle, would you need God. Do you know what I mean? Like our assignment should be more than we can handle so that we can rely on God and, and lift up the sail and say, I can't do this on my own. I, do, I admit defeat. Lift up the sail and let the, the breath of God catch us and lead us and guide us. See, God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. God's grace. Remember God's grace is His divine enablement. His divine enablement is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Come on, it's in our weakness that He shows Himself strong. It's in our ability to not do it that He shows Himself strong. And the other thing is, listen, you need to hear this as well. When we don't use our gifts, we are denying God glory. When we don't use our gifts, we are denying God glory. The word glory means to have a good opinion of. When we don't use our, our gifts, we are denying God the opportunity for others to have a good opinion about Him. Come on, when we, we, yeah, come on. Like when we use our gifts, the love language of God, wherever we are in the supermarket and in, in shops, at school, wherever we are, when we use the love language of God, it, it helps people form a good opinion about who God is. That He is actually good. He is a good God. 
Come on, we need to use our gifts. We need to use what God has given us so that we, we can help people form a good opinion about Him so that they can give Him glory. I, th- I think it's Ephesians 2.10 that says that there are good works set out for us. And when we do them, that people will give glory to our Father in heaven. Come on, that... I don't know about you, but I don't want to, I don't want to deny that for God. I want, I want my life to display His goodness. The last passage I want to leave with you and then we're going to pray is 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 to 7. And I want to leave it with you this week because this is what we're going to do next week. Paul was talking to Timothy and he says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, His prisoner. Rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. For this reason, fan into flame. I remind you to fan into flame. I don't know about you, but sometimes we need to be reminded to fan into flame the gifts that are in us. And it says there, through the laying on of hands. Next week, we're going to be laying hands on people and releasing the gifts and just believing that that we are going to be a church that walk in the gifts of the Spirit wherever we are. This is not about your ability, but it's about God's ability in you. Come on, he is, he is in you. The same Spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead is in us. In us. Come on, I, don't, I believe that the world could be turned upside down if we really caught a hold of this. The valley could be changed. I, I really believe it. And I, I, the, the last couple of weeks, I don't know, like there's just been this uh, hunger. There has been, uh, like, if you didn't come to prayer meeting this morning, like, you missed out. Come on, like, it was awesome. And there's just, there's a passion and there's, it's like, it's like God's, come on, who knows when the embers, I've got, like, I bought a, a, a charcoal barbecue this summer and, 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 and you know, like the, the, the charcoal is in there and sometimes I just need to, to get their, to get to fan into flame, to get them hot, to get them burning. And, and so when we gather together in prayer and when we gather together as God's people, we're going, Come on, he's fanning into flame what is lying dormant within us. Come on, and we give glory to God. Isn't it good? We get to be a part of that. Come on, following Jesus is like the best thing. Amen? Come on, let's stand. Yeah. Oh, why don't you do this? Let's do the same thing that we do every week. Let's just put out our hands. It's just a great posture, like you're holding a gift. Just reminds us that our role is to receive, not achieve. Receive, not achieve. Yeah, Father, we just take this moment to to lift the sail. Maybe for some of us, it's just the first little bit of the sail is just starting to get up. And maybe for some of us, it's getting high and we're catching the wind of your spirit and yeah, we just thank you that as we gather together as your people, as your children, you're breathing upon us. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah, so we receive that this morning. Yeah, we thank you that your spirit is so freely given. We thank you that the revelation of, of that freedom means that we don't need to take from others anymore. We don't need to use others to feel significant. We, we don't need to serve and hope that others see us so that we feel significant. No, our significance is in you. And we thank you for the gifts of the Spirit that, that you have chosen us, human vessels, to display your glory. And I thank you that it is not because of us. It's not anything we did. We didn't deserve it. We didn't make this happen. We can't make it happen. It is you at work within us. And so I pray right now for, for every person that is struggling with this idea and wondering, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I could be bold. I, I thank you that it is not about us being bold, but it is about your spirit within us rising up a boldness within us. Uh, I, 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 I think of the time, Father, when I was baptised in your spirit and it felt like another person stood up on the inside of me. I pray that right now in this moment that, that Holy Spirit, you would come and breathe upon people and that your Spirit would stand up on the inside of them, that, that you would release a Spirit not of timidity but of power and love and of a sound mind. We thank you, God, that that is what you do. That is what you do. We thank you, God. It is not about us and our ability, but it's about your ability. Yeah, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. And Father, we just look forward to next week with the anticipation of people being baptised, going into the waters and coming up a new creation and the celebration that we get to have with them. And we thank you that, that, that oh God, you are just going to pour out your Spirit upon us in a fresh way. We, we, we have anticipation about it. We can't wait. I can't wait. Oh God, you're good. Yeah. 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 Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I just encourage you next week when, uh, because we've got.